Welcome to the Five Points Church Planting Podcast, where two church planters try to make one good point. This episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners, managing the business of your church so you can focus on the ministry. Find out how at auxilio.partners slash five points. Welcome to the Five Points Church Planning Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening, that you're downloading episodes. We hope that you will continue to spread the word about this podcast regarding church multiplication from a reformed perspective. We are so thankful for each and every one of you. All right, guys, before we jump into anything else today, we've gotten a couple email complaints, very serious issues that we need to take up with one another before we begin. Our episodes have become too dry and too boring, and we, in the midst of an NFL uh, offseason in the midst of nobody watches basketball, in the midst of a major league baseball lockout, (laughs) the people need some quality entertainment in their lives from you. And they're turning to us to get that, obviously. So can we get a little insight into, do you have any interesting stories from past church planting experience? Here's some things that you encounter church planting that that established churches just don't have to deal with. What pops to mind? First of all, I would like to add a footnote for all the listeners out there, like Josh and myself, who both really enjoy and like basketball. And I just want to apologize to everyone. Reed is a baseball snob, and I think he's upset about Major League Baseball right now. But we're both sitting in Memphis, and John ja Morant's turning the world upside down. So, uh, Reed, you are forgiven. Um, I understand your baseball loyalties. So. And, and, and look, man, I, I, I sat in my living room with tears last Saturday as I watched uh, Coach K retire. Uh, I mean, play his last game at uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium. So I, I'm, I'm actually trying not to be offended at you right now. I got to be honest. Josh, when we were both planting Madison Heights about seven or eight times a year, we had to meet in a movie theater. And uh, what you have some memories of of our times having to do set up and take down in those, in that Malco movie theater, what, what springs to mind that was particularly funny? Yeah. I mean, look, every, every time we had to uh, readjust and, and punt from the school that we met in to the movie theater was always kind of an adventure what we were going to walk into, how quick we get it set up. How do we, how do you organize everybody? Our, ch- our church was in three trailers at the time and, and trying to organize all the people to, haul it over there, unload it, do all that we had to do it was fun. I think the, the week that was, uh, I guess, most comedic uh, in memory as we think about it would be the time we had to set up in a theater. They give us the theater that we're going to set up in. We don't really control that. So we come in, that's the theater they give us. We're setting up, we're doing all the work. Look, I'm pumping in, trying to get it done. I think you're the one that showed up and walked outside and said, Josh, uh, we've got to change the marquee. And, uh, and I'm like, I don't really understand what you mean. And so I go outside, look in the hallway and the little digital screen above the movie theater said, uh, sex in the city. I think it was the movie when it came out and 
So we did. We had Sex in the City Church uh, that Sunday. They couldn't change it. They couldn't erase it. There was nothing we were going to do about it. We just had to invite people in and say we're a different kind of church, I, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, that I was. Do. And I remember one. I remember one particular elder was so bothered by it that he was trying to cover it with paper, um, but he couldn't find a step stool or a ladder to get up there to to do it and um so we just we just rolled with it it Sometimes was you just got to stand up front and apologize nothing yeah. we can do here <laughs> yeah so josh what we're going to talk about today is the number one question that i've been asked over the years in church planning and that is why do we need another church why are you starting a church when there are plenty of churches in our town in our community in our city. I heard it the first time I went to plant. I heard it as I led the church planting network. And now I'm hearing it as we're planting in the Memphis area. It comes up over and over again. Has that been your experience? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's oftentimes the case. Why, you know, why are we planning another one? I mean, I think even in the South, I think, the, I think the question tends to come up. I mean, I, they're asking that question all over the U S uh, no matter how many it is, but you know, how many churches there are in a given region or location, they're always wanting to know why we need another church. There's churches. And, but I mean, in the South, I think there's a higher, you know, uh, there's a higher percentage of, of buildings uh, per capita than there would be in other parts of the the u.s and it's asked even even more down here and you know i generally i just my easiest answer is because you know somebody needs to plant a church that's right and so that that's what i do um i just like to be right every time i i, I we uh we do a church and and, and i think that's the question i mean that's the you know I, I say that jokingly but there is that kind of sense in which uh that's the kind of underlying question underneath it. Why do you think you're going to do it better? Or why do you, is it, it, it almost feels at some point in time, like there's some, some pride behind it. Oh, you're going to plant the church or the right church or the better church or the, and that's, yeah, that's not the motivation right. at all. Right. That's not the reason we do what we do. That's right. And hopefully this episode will give church planters a understanding of why they need to have a winsome and gracious and well-crafted answer when people ask why another church, when other pastors in the community ask why another church, that that you can come forth with something that is very thoughtful and, and very meaningful and, and really helps people begin to think in terms of, yes, church planting and church multiplication is important for the kingdom of God. Josh, I will say that part of the issue is that there are so many church plants that have been done the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Church plants that have vacuumed people from other churches, taken people from other churches in not in a purposeful way, i.e. a mother church sending people to a daughter church. What I mean is that the church plant comes into the community and instead of focusing on the unchurched and the de-churched and perhaps people who are looking for a church home, they're just sucking people out of other established churches in order to build their community. And it creates a lot of angst and towards church plants and towards church planters, not only by pastors, but people who have been in those churches 20, 30 years. And so, you know, often when people say, we don't need another church, there's plenty of churches, and I feel the tension that they might have towards church planning and church multiplication, I have to remember that that a lot of people in established churches have gone through very bad experiences 
regarding church plants, church plants and church planters. Yeah, I think that's important. And I think that's, you know, what I appreciated about, you know, starting in church planting, um, uh, like I did with you at, at Madison Heights. That's one of the things we tried to be real careful of early on. And one of the things that we wanted to to kind of be navigate carefully, protect, and and honestly, what I, you know, I think you would know, I think you'd want to say this as much as I would, you know, when a church one mile up the road from us, um, you know, Highlands uh, Presbyterian Church, when we told them what we were doing, um, they, you know, we wanted to be open and upfront. We wanted to make sure there was um, good relationship, open opportunity, and that they not only were they in support of, of a healthy church plan and understood the need for it, they offered their Sunday school class as a place where we could begin meeting and offered individuals to help even with core group dynamics. And, and so it should be a healthy relationship. It should be one we can work together if we're really about, you know, moving the uh, kingdom forward. Uh, there should be, but that, that does, you know, fall at the, the weight and responsibility of that falls on the church planner as much as it does on the, the established churches, uh, understanding the vision mission of, the church as a whole. All right. So I've got a question. So we've mentioned previously that when you are moving into a new town to plant a church, that it's helpful to get involved in the community. Josh, you mentioned coaching youth sports teams. I know Hunter, you do that as well. The Rotary Clubs, it's different civic organizations like that, just to get to meet people and figure out, hey, what is this community about? What are some uh, needs that they have that our church plant could possibly help to address? Is it also important or something worth doing to go and reach out to other churches in the area to say, here's who I am, here is what we are doing, here's what our mission and our goal is in planning this new church, or is that a conversation that doesn't really happen? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that is one of the first things I, I did here. I, I met other pastors. Uh, I wanted to understand the religious kind of culture and climate of, of Lafayette when I got here. I wanted good relationships with the guys. I wanted to build some camaraderie and some, you know, uh, relationship with those guys. Um, with churches that were similar to me, uh, would have some similarity to me. I, I had, I kind of entered right into the equation of, you know, guys, I'm planning a church and, 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 and I want you to know on the front end, my job is, you know, my, my goal is not to, to pull siphon folks from your church. Uh, it's to, it's to reach, you know, de-church, unchurched people in this city. And that's what we're going to be aiming at. Inevitably, sometimes individuals move back and forth between our churches Tell me how, um, you know, tell me how you want to handle that, how I can love and serve you in that. What would be a, a healthy process? I'll push them right back to you and, and let you walk through some things. Tell me how that looks. And we had, I mean, I had good conversations with guys early on. I'm, I'm going through a situation with a, a church here in town that some folks that have been involved in our church, well, and, you know, invested and involved in our church or, or, or decided to move on to another church in town. And we've got a, I've got a great relationship with that pastor and we're talking back and forth about, you know, what that looks like because of, um, you know, how they're, you know, it's a better fit, better feel for them and those dynamics. And that's a relationship that really started when we first landed. And that can kind of, I can communicate, or at least it doesn't work, always work out that way. I've had other situations that have not worked out that neatly, but, uh, but as best I can, I've tried to pursue that because I just think that's right when it comes to kingdom work. Uh, even when it's not always received rightly, uh, it's at least right to pursue that as best you can in my, in my estimation. Yeah, I agree with Josh. As a church planner, you can have too much on your plate. There are too many things to do. But one of the aspects of church planning that you have to pursue 
it's one of the things that you cannot take off your plate and that's networking that from the moment you hit the ground, you need to network. You need to meet as many people as possible. You need to go to many places as you can. It's one of the things that you just have to do that even as you find yourself busier and busier that you still have to pursue networking. And so I, it's frankly been difficult planning this second church because we did it at the beginning of COVID. So I've had a very hard time meeting other pastors and other churches, but I will tell you that the ones that I've met thus far have been extremely helpful to me. Now I was very fortunate that they understood why we were here and they know what we're doing and they believe in it and they agree with it. Um, but it's been a very fruitful relationship. A, it's someone to um, just share your thoughts and your concerns with and your burdens with. But it's encouraging to meet with like-minded people who want to reach the community, who want to do all that you can to expose the church and the church plant to those who may not be in church. And so that's been very encouraging to me. I'm trying to meet more. I think as you I agree, Josh, with you that as you meet more and more pastors in the community, as you network with more and more pastors, you're really going to be spending more time offsetting them in terms of we're not here to take people from your congregation, which is more often than not the attitude that seems to be prevalent in when I've met with pastors in the past. It's they just don't have a good feeling about church planning because they've had a bad experience regarding church plant and other contexts and other communities. And so you have to, you have to network. One of the things that I've enjoyed is networking with what you would call parachurch ministries in the community, because they're, they can be very helpful in terms of helping you understand the lay of the land. They're looking for help. They're looking for support. So they are not, they are not off put by you being a church planner. They don't, fear anything per se they've given me some valuable insight about where we are and where we're planting and a lot of the people that particularly in the first church plant that i did a lot of not a lot but some of our uh, families that came to be part of the church were refer referred from these ministries because they knew who we were they knew about me and as people that they knew were looking for a church they moved to the community etc they knew that it would be a good fit and they pointed us in their direction. So yes, networking takes time. It's not easy, but it, it doesn't even show a lot of fruit in the beginning. I think you would agree with that, but right. down the line, down the road, it, it does pay off to go forth with that message of, we're a new church in the community. Tell us what we don't know. Tell me what I don't know. Help me to see what I'm not seeing. Let's develop a relationship and we're here to grow the kingdom. Look, I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of times it's just people that don't, you're going to have folks come in and they're just not going to be aligned uh, with who you are, the vision of the church. And what I've actually found in doing that network is that sometimes that kind of, there's individuals that, you know, there's the whole growth by subtraction and church planning dynamics. Sometimes folks need to move on because we're just going to kind of butt heads. But I, I have, I don't, I haven't had a situation yet since I've been in Lafayette. I can, uh, you know, I can, I can say, you know, with some certainty and encouragement that, that I don't know some churches in the area that they would be better fits for because I've had some relationships. So there's a pastoral component to it as well. That's very yeah. uh, helpful in the long haul. So yeah, that networking component, learning from them about the city. There's some of them, they, they have their finger on the pulse of the city in ways that, and that a lot of folks would not, um, 
uh, being building good relationships coming in and then just kind of having some some camaraderie and cross-pollination uh, in a sense between those churches is all really helpful. All right. So back to when we're networking with just individuals at general in the community and you get that number one question, hey, there's so many churches here on every corner already. Everyone always goes to church here. Why do we need churches? What leads people to to think that that is the case? So I think that's a very good question. I think people are under the assumption, particularly in the Bible Belt, that everyone is in church. I was at a conference a couple of years ago with some guys from the Midwest and from the Northwest, and I thought this was a particular thing to our society and our culture in the Deep South, and they were saying the same thing, that they've gone to plant churches in the Midwest and in the Northwest, and they're getting asked the same questions. Why do we need more churches? There's churches everywhere. And I think the, the answer to all of this is that people do not understand statistics and demographics concerning church attendance in the United States. And without doing a deep dive into these numbers, I think it's safe to say that about 15% of the population in the United States attends what we would consider gospel-centered, gospel-proclaiming, churches. It really potentially could be a lower number than that. I think if you add in the mainstream Protestant churches across the board in the United States, it's probably around 20%. I could be conservative with that number. Over the years, all of the people that I've talked to, I've quickly come to the realization that they think everyone is in church. They think that all of their neighbors in church. They think that most of their people in their community are in church, and that's just not the case. That's simply not true. And, and it's, it's funny because when you look at the statistics, <clears throat> you know, Hunter, you've, you've seen it as well. Like you're asking them what they identify as Christian, you know, Protestant, Catholic, all the different kind of dynamics, like the statistics for that's through the roof. Yeah, everybody would identify in some kind of way or would have some kind of affiliation. But when you go from that statistic to those who are actually invested and involved in church, active in their their faith and religion in any kind of substantial way, that's when the bottom falls out of the statistic. And we, we find ourselves at a place where um, the, the need for reaching people, um, you know, for, for Christ to be invested and involved in their local church, growing in their faith is really the need uh, for church planning. Yeah, it's, you can see the shock on their face when you respond and you say, statistically speaking, 15 to 20% of the population in the United States is in a Christian church. And it's really lower than that. And, but I feel like in responding to people that if I go even lower than that, they're not going to believe me at all. And so I tend to round up conservatively to the 20% mark. And, and I'm, and I do let them know that I'm talking about in particular Protestantism and evangelicalism without using the word evangelical, because it raises so many political the aspects in the culture in which we live today. And people are astounded. They, they don't realize it. They don't understand it. And so you say our hope in planting churches and coming into this community, whether it's 
urban, whether it's rural, whether it's suburban, whatever it might be, that our hope and that our goal is over time that we will begin to attract people who are not in church for whatever reason. And that's our, that's our aim. That's our wish. That's what we're praying that the Lord will accomplish in this church planning work is that we are pursuing the many, many, many people who are not in church. I met when I was leading the network, I met with an individual in a university town. And this sort of summarizes the thinking that you often run into and understand it's not simply people in the pew who don't realize this. It's not simply people who are on the street that do not realize this. In many, many cases, it's pastors who do not understand this. I was shocked over the years leading the church planning network that pastors didn't even understand the unchurched, dechurched, and I use the phrase often semi-churched population that exists, particularly in the United States. And so I was meeting with this gentleman, and it was a, a city of about 100,000 people with a major university, and he just did not want to plant another church in the community. And I just sat there shocked because if the statistics hold true, that means there's 80,000 people, 80,000 people in this community, in this city that are not in church. And then he said, I don't think that we need another church of our denominational stripe. And we're already doing a great job at reaching our university. And the universities, let's say it has 20,000 students. It's a little bit higher than that. And I said, well, how many, how many university students are coming to your church? And he said, 2030. It, it just, and I couldn't get over it. I drove away just really frustrated by the fact that there's 80,000 people in your community that are possibly not in church. And there are, you know, 20,000 students in this university and you have no heart, no passion, no drive, nothing to see another church planted. And that's just, it's because in part, I believe that people don't understand the statistics. They don't know the numbers. All right. So when you were Hunter talking to all of these people and they're questioning why plant a new church, why can't we just support the churches that are already there, that are already ministering, that are already doing this work and reaching out in their community in some way to be able to better do that? Is there any advantage to actually planting a new church as opposed to helping revitalize and grow existing churches? Yeah, so I, I think there's a twofold answer to that, and then Josh can expand and probably even has greater insight. Number one, new churches allow people the opportunity to jump on board and serve in a way that they possibly may not be able to in medium to larger size churches. So I love it when there's connectivity in church planning and other churches purposely send people to be a part of the church plan and to help. And one of the responses that you hear most often is, gosh, I was just sitting in a pew in the back of the church and, and I, I liked the church and I appreciated the preaching and I was a part of the community, but goodness, when I came to be a part of this church plan, I'm serving, I'm leading, I'm helping, I'm in a, involved in a way that I never thought that I would be involved. I, I heard a, 
about a church plant in a larger city outside of the, the Southeast where it was a larger church, really a mega church that, that went to a church plant that they were not even a denominationally affiliated with. And the pastor said, I want to give you three families because I want to give them the opportunity to serve and to lead and to help in ways that they are probably not going to be able to do because of the size of our church. And that, that was mind blowing to me. I thought that was a great credit to that pastor to understand these families in that situation. Secondly, I would say that new churches, and I've seen this personally, that new churches, when they come into a community, they often give a spark to some of the other churches in the area in terms of wow, we really appreciate and like your vision for outreach and ministry to those who are not in church, maybe de-churched, unchurched. And we really need to reevaluate and rethink our mission and our vision in light of your presence. And, and they mean that positively, not negatively. And I've seen that. And I've also seen it affect the mother church. There are some statistics in church planning that show how beneficial a a church plant is to the life and vibrancy and mission and vision of a established sending mother churches. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are all, you know, excellent, um, you know, reasons, you know, I, I often think of the other, you know, a third reason, even uh, when um, you think of uh, there's just something, the, the, the trouble with individuals, especially D church, those are outside the church, not church attending uh, who come in, um, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to go through the front door of an established church that, that you feel like has all these established relationships and things. And it's just for individuals who are trying to find their way into a church or have been out of the church from, you know, since a, a young age or for a lot, quite a long time, that first step through the front door, church plants provide a, a, an inroad that's a, a little bit less intimidating, a little less established, as it were, and gives them the opportunity to find a, a place and a space uh, in that community pretty quickly. Uh, and they don't feel like they're the, the new person in the room. Everybody feels like they're the new person. And so they're kind of in it together from the beginning. And it provides a, a quicker kind of path to community. Uh, for new folks. And I think that uh, that serves them a, a great deal uh, in that process uh, of, of kind of finding their way back to a church or to a church for the first time. Yeah, Josh, I ran into a, a friend of mine in this community where we're seeking to plant Trinity that they've recently sold their building and they're going to kind of go back more into a church planting mode. And a person in my congregation in my core group heard that they were doing this and there was a little bit of a tension you know, is there enough room in this town for two church plants that both meet in uh, one in a movie theater and one in the YMCA? And I looked at this gentleman and I said, look, I saw him in Target the other day. I gave him a high five. Yep. You know, if there's, if there's 60,000 people in Carterville, that means that there are plenty of people who are not in church, unchurched, de-churched, semi-church for us to reach. In fact, we need more church plans. We need to reach more people. And maybe we can be an encouragement to those churches in our community that are perhaps on cruise control in terms of outreach, in terms of mission, vision, and mission. And hear this, we don't mean by any stretch of the imagination 
that all established churches are not doing it right or they're not or they're on cruise control they're all That's, stagnant right yeah uh. right that it doesn't mean that <laughs> no, at all because i would say as many church plants that are doing it well there's as many church plants that are that are not yep and yep. and so we just want to be an encouragement regarding gospel ministry and evangelism and outreach and and so yeah i saw him in target and i gave him a high five because i appreciate the guy i appreciate what he's doing and he and i both have a an understanding of how many people that there are out there that are not in church or don't have a church home. And so I think understanding the numbers helps everybody. It helps pastors. It helps church members. It helps missions committees. It helps church planters. And we just need to all be prepared to help others understand why multiplication is so important. That's the last word for now. As always, you can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter or Facebook at Five Points Planting or by email at reformedplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time. The Five Points Church Planting Podcast is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters.